Welcome to Am I an Asshole? <laughs> Am I an Asshole? The podcast where we gut check our asshole tendencies with Jackie and Rosie. Oh, cool. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, This is a very special topic here in our nearing of 100 episodes. Yeah, baby. Um, This is the first part of two parts mm-hmm. about the body part. Cool. <laughs> All right. It felt so natural. It felt so real. It felt so right. It sure uh, did. Oh, did it you try to do it? And you right in it? there. No. I didn't know if you were trying to do. <laughs> oh, no. Um, sure did. <laughs> Come on, crystal clear, oh, baby. Oh, it really is. Um, so am I an asshole for not understanding my own vagina? Yeah. We're going back to the basics on this. Yeah. We're going to uh, vagina parts. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking... We're talking the whole period cycle. Yep. And we've got a special hot, hot segment in there for all the men listening. Yeah. Where Rosie and I just scissor on, <laughs> <laughs> on, it's, on it's, the microphone. It's not quiet because there's got the sound of the... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ew. I mean, not ew for a lot of people. Also, but and ew I, for- you said men, but anyone... It's hot for anyone. You're so right. Um, You're so right. I'm so heteronormative. <laughs> you really are. Um, so, oh, I know oh. why I said men, because oh. they don't have vaginas. Lesbians still have vaginas. Yes, so they, they would still maybe listen to Understood. this. Okay, so I'm not racist. No, you're not racist. Um, um, We're just going to play a quick game of what other things can you call a vagina? Yeah, so we're getting them out so that we don't say them in the middle of the episode. Yeah, okay. And ruin it. Uh, Beaver. Cunt. Snatch, quarterly dirty, <laughs> um, hot pocket, <laughs> kissing booth. Ooh, um, uh, why can't I think of any? The um, JJ, the JJ, vag, vagine, um, vagie, biscuit, uh, blossom. Biscuit is good. Um, flower, flower, hole. <laughs> Oh, gaping oh gaping flesh hole. wound oh that's roast terrible. beef curtains oh. <laughs> um pussy pussy oh my god duh. um i don't like that one as much Ugh, pussy i feel like you like it push um yeah we can keep it going that's probably good all right yeah. maybe there are more no i mean we can we can always bring them up later okay um Anyway, those are just some stuff for you. Um, we are talking to a, a doctor. She is an OBGYN. Her name is Teresa. She's rad. Coin slot? No. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Or is that for the butt? your butt crack? No, I think coin slot is for your vagina. I think the butt crack too, but that's all right. But Teresa, Dr. Teresa, mm-hmm. what a gem. Um, so listen up to the first part of the episode about our vaginas. Mm-hmm. A vagina. Oh, do we a lot of vagina? Vagina. Oh, vagina. Vagina. It's all Italian. I think think there's one that we're missing, like flap. We're done. Flaps. Okay. All right. Love you guys. (laughs) Lips. (laughs) Um, Yeah. All right. Guys, have fun. See ya. Downstairs.
right. Um, <laughs> I have been wanting to to get into this for a long time. Yeah. I always have questions about my vagina. Am I an asshole for not understanding my own vagina? My own vage. My own vage. <laughs> um, it's a complicated gal down there. I'll tell you. And I, I'm constantly thinking about her. And yeah. not, not in like a fun, sexy way. In like a what is everything, you know, Yeah, what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I'm so excited to have Teresa on. Yes, I'm excited to have Teresa on. Just let's bring her on. Hi, Teresa. Hello. Hi. Teresa is a gynecologist. Yes. So yeah, what's the what's the full title? Gyne- uh, OBGYN? So, yeah. So um, most gynecologists um, in the world trained as both obstetricians and gynecologists. So gotcha. we do obstetrics and gynecology. So what is the difference? I mean, I totally know. <laughs> <laughs> One has to do with child Exactly. So obstetrics is um, kind of surrounding pregnancy and prenatal and postpartum care. Um, and then gynecology is specifically reproductive health care, kind of through the entire rest of the reproductive health life cycle of a person. So do you special, do you usually specialize in one or do you, pra- or do most practice both? It's a great question. Um, in general, in the medical field, <laughs> people um, are getting more and more and more subspecialized with um, fellowship training. That being said, um, kind of the, the subspecialties within obstetrics and gynecology do usually make you track toward more obstetrical specialties or gynecology specialties. Um, people like me who are um, both kind of full spectrum obstetrician gynecologists, we usually do both throughout our careers. Cool. Uh, yeah. Obstetrics is a pretty um, time and labor and physical intensive job. And so a lot of the time as people get closer to retirement, they give up that particular part of it for kind of the very last little bit of their career. But most of us do full scope practice for our whole career. I gotcha. Well, I mean, I, I'm just going to say this because I can see you. You look very young. You're the youngest gynecologist I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm beautiful. I wouldn't mind you looking down there. Yeah. I, Sorry, that didn't mean it like that <laughs> well, no. sexually. I just no, meant, I, you know, I I only ever go to women. I go to I only go to women. Yeah, I went. I had a guy, and he it was fine. I just felt I just it's just it's just kind of. I just feel like you don't know. <laughs> you know? I know. Yeah. Well, actually, do I mean? Do you understand? Do you get that? I know you yeah, can't. I, I totally get it. I think. Yeah. That's- I think that your medical providers in general for anything are really individual kind of personality and style match. And then obviously for reproductive and gynecologic reasons, I can imagine for many of us that feels like an even more um, vulnerable and intimate kind of relationship to have with someone. And so I think whoever feels like the best match for you as a person is who you should see. And we're lucky in our era that actually a majority of OBGYNs are women. And so people do have the option to choose. Um, mm-hmm. I know my mom talked about how, you know, in her reproductive years, um, she didn't have a chance at all to see a female OBGYN. That just like was not an option. Wow. It was that rare. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm really thankful that we have this option. I will say that some of the very best and kind of most compassionate OBGYNs I've worked with in my career are men too. So I don't Mm. think it has to be. um, Totally, totally. I think, you know, what's important to each person is important. 
and we should respect that. So I'm glad. Yeah. Cause it's, it's intimate. I mean like the, cause you're obviously you're just checking the boobs for, you know, lumps and things, but it's just, you know, you get in there and then the, the, the sonogram where they shove the, I mean, it does feel like kind of a dildo in, oh, in there, yeah. you know, and they're, and, and it's just like, <laughs> they're just poking around <laughs> steering me. Yeah. And like it, you know, so it's just, I just, you know, I feel more comfortable. And then sometimes I don't know how much I'm supposed to derobe. So I'm just <laughs> like boobs out. You? I mean, most of the time, but like sometimes I, 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 I think one time I didn't realize like my boobs don't have to be out until the past exam. <laughs> so they were just, you yeah. know, it's kind of awkward. So I would just rather experience all those awkward things with a woman, uh, with a woman. Okay. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously up to right. people's yeah discussion. Well, um, what, how, so how did you get into gynecology? Yeah, yeah, I actually um, I kind of had a long road to gynecology, and and I sort of um, tried to decide on being almost every other profession that I could before gynecology. I just did not think of myself as a a surgeon, and we are mm-hmm. um, a surgical specialty. So I um, really resisted the the specialty for a really long time during my training. Um, but ultimately it was kind of a bunch of things. I think, um, as we were talking about with all of the kind of intimate up close relationships and interactions you have with your gynecologist, I think that that gives me as a doctor an opportunity to be a really big advocate and ally for my patients. And I really Mm -hmm. like that interpersonal aspect of the job kind of coupled with the reproductive sciences and, and, um, kind of all of fascinating things that the body does. Um, I think it's a really good match. And then to my surprise, despite all of my resistance, I actually really do like surgery and procedural aspects mm-hmm. of, of the care that I get to provide. And so it really is kind of the best of all worlds. Um, and then kind of overlying all of that, I've always felt really strongly about um, re- reproductive justice and um, social justice through like people's reproductive health. And um, I think there are other specialties that are um, advocates for that aspect of people's lives as well, but none I would say quite so much as OBGYN. Yeah, so, mm, absolutely. A really this good- must be a fun time for you right now. Oh, boy. <laughs> be. Yeah, it's very uh, disheartening and interesting and energizing and a whole bunch of complicated emotions. Do you think that it's like lack of, I mean, something that we want to talk to you about is like, you know- we feel like when we grew up, they were kind of just like a quick, I have the most like embarrassing memory of how I learned what like a uterus was in fallopian tubes where like my sixth grade teacher literally brought up a transparency, put it on, on the thing. Yeah. It projected. I think the boys had to leave. He yeah. drew it looked like an alien, made a joke about how it looked like an alien was like, that's it guys. All right, move on. And then we're supposed to like, and then sex ed was just all pictures of STDs and like STDs and like, <laughs> Yeah, like penises and things that for me at that age, I was too embarrassed to like look at. We we, and I didn't even know what I was looking at. I just knew that I was supposed to be getting my period soon and I wanted to know when because I wanted to become a woman. Oh yeah, then at the parties where you're like, did you have you? Yeah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> you got pubes yet? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, you got pubes yet? <laughs> that was us. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just... It, especially in this situation where I don't know if it's a, you know exactly that, but we just don't know anything about women's bodies. I, I don't feel like we do. It, I, I don't feel like I, and, and my, myself included. So like, do you know why, why do you think, 
or is it just us? You know, are we just like a kind of couple of idiots that are like, am I an asshole? Yeah, yeah. Like we don't really know about the world or. No, I really don't think it's just you at all. I think I Thank find you. myself. Um, yeah. I find myself with patients in the office frequently, very, very commonly kind of really going over very basic information about their bodies and their uh, menstrual cycles and their, um, their fertility and kind of all these kinds of questions that they have that are really kind of basic knowledge that in my <laughs> we should learn in, yeah. in our education. Um, I think there's a whole, as you could probably imagine, this could be a whole other topic in and of itself, but there's a whole bunch of social, political, educational reasons why it's not covered very well. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, people's discomfort in our culture, especially with talking about anything even adjacent to sex and sexuality. Um, and so I think, you know, instead of um, kind of encouraging this discussion of your body and what's normal and sexuality and what's what's normal and what's okay and how to have good sexual interactions, meaning you know, with safe partners, with protection from infection, protection from unplanned pregnancies, mm-hmm. um, and pleasurable experiences, which in, in my opinion is a really important thing for every person. Um, instead of kind of really giving us a chance to address that um, for everybody, people are kind of left to fill in the gaps, like you said, at the parties when they're talking to their friends and they're like, well, did this happen for you? And what right. was it like? And what should I expect? And um, not having the kind of adults in the room or in the school or in the home and um, be able to provide kind of more factual based information for them. And um, And I think that kind of just snowballs. It leads to adults who don't really know how to talk about it with each other. It leads to adults who don't know really how to talk about it with their healthcare providers. Um, It's just this whole kind of like, let's cover our eyes, cover our ears, la la la, it's not happening, ignore it, and we'll all get through this at some point. But, you know, I obviously am biased because of what I do, (laughs) but I think that that's really doing everybody a big, big disservice. Absolutely. And like, I mean, I just even remember like my dad specifically, like he, my mom told him and then like, I come home and he's just like, congrats. And that's like all we, all we talked about, like with my dad, like, I mean, I, not that I wanted to at the time I was like 14 and I was like, thanks, bye. (laughs) But still like, but then it's like this, there's just like a whole sex of people who are just like, don't want to hear it. Like, I mean, now I think men, now it's, it's, it's gotten better. And, and, and honestly, women, I think have gotten better with talking about it. I've learned a lot more through other women. And I think I'm, and I'm sure like you were talking about your mom and in their day and in their mom's day, like you just didn't talk about stuff like that anymore or or at all, you know? But I think that, and that's what is scary for me and why a lot of the Googling happens is just because like, we just don't know. I mean, I Google every time, I mean, every time I have like a little bit weird discharge or every time I have like, um, cramps because, and I can't, I mean, I have this as a question later, but like, I can't ever tell the difference between poop cramps and period cramps. And Teresa, I'm on my period right now and I am having, I'm nauseous. I am like having the lava thing that I talked about. We got to talk, we'll talk about that, the lava. We'll get into that, but. um, Yeah. And I think, I think people really didn't want to talk about that because they thought it would promote like promiscuity. um, Mm. And that was a big part of it. But I also think medicine used to be 
different. Um, so I think it was much more hierarchical and uh, paternalistic um, in a way that thankfully I think is really drastically changed. Um, and so I think there are, are many more providers, doctors, nurse practitioners, PAs, everyone who really want to partner with their patients and really kind of share in decision making. And part of that is a responsibility to educate as we're kind of seeing yes. people things. Um, and so I think that happens more now. I think it used to be, you know, oh, you tell me you have painful, heavy periods. You don't want to have any kids anymore. Well, let's just do a surgery. We'll fix that for you. Done. Right. But without talking about kind of, you know, big long-term potential things to keep in mind for the implications of having a major surgery. Mm. Yeah. And then like, there's the whole, just not talking about it does so much, well, you know, or, or the fear of promiscuity is, it's so irrational because I, the more you talk about it, the more you're going to learn and understand like case in point, if somebody's on, so I didn't know this until later in life because uh, unfortunately a somebody that I know, this happened to them. Um, she was on um, antibiotics and nobody told her that I guess antibiotics can affect birth control. Only a couple. Oh, okay. Um, but, and I mean, she just had like a scare or whatever. Yeah. And like, she didn't yeah. know, she didn't know that and then started freaking out that she it, on all this stuff. But it's just like, if you know, then I don't know. It just gives you more power. Yeah. Well, and also then like, I think it creates this like thing that all women have this like secret that we can't talk about or like just makes us like less of less people because we have this thing that we're not allowed to talk about. Like, and yeah, that we have to hide. We have to hide, like sliding your tampon in your, your sleeve or in your pocket or like, you have a tampon. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> like, the side mouth. Yeah. Plan, plan. <laughs> Yeah, just, I try to just wave it as I go to the. Yeah, bathroom. I do. Sometimes I smoke it like a cigarette. <laughs> there you go. But, but yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Only a couple antibiotics. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Most those are rare antibiotics that um that, okay. that most of your common run of the mill, um you know for a cough, cold, sinusitis kind of issue would be would be okay. would be fine. Okay, okay. Well, we have um, like a million questions, but I okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so. I think I always am doing all my Googling at different parts of my cycle because you forget, like, I think a lot of people don't realize that like, it's not just your fucking period. It's every damn day of your entire life that you're going through your cycle. Right. Cause it's yeah. just circular forever. Ongoing. I mean, until menopause, but then you have all those issues. To deal right. With. Like, but I guess it, it wasn't until like, I would say like three years ago where I was like, Oh, I can feel my ovulation. <laughs> like, I yeah. did, like, and then, and then your discharge is like different. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, so that's not. I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. I call it rubber cement. Oh. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. All of the above. Um, I guess just like, because I, I always am worried at like different points of your period. Like, is it okay to have cramps at different times? I don't know. Just the process. What is the, what is the process? What are we going through in our cycle? Yeah. I mean, without obviously taking the whole up, cause the whole episode could probably just be on the cycle, right? our right, cycle. Right. But yeah, like, could you just break down in layman terms, like what's going on? Yeah. At what point? <laughs> yeah. Pretty simply. So, um, the full menstrual cycle has a couple of, um, phases that it goes through. Um, and the first kind of day of the, the cycle, we actually call day one um, as the first day of your bleeding. 
So when okay. you start your period bleeding, that's considered day one of your menstrual cycle. Um, the first half of the cycle, we call the follicular phase because the kind of most interesting thing happening in that is that your um, body is kind of nourishing and, and growing these follicles, one of which will then go on to become the egg that you would ovulate. Um, the kind of dominant um, hormones during the follicular, follicular cycle are at first actually kind of overall relatively low hormones and then um, increasing during the couple of weeks that are the follicular phase um, is estrogen as the dominant hormone. So estrogen um, does a couple of things. It nourishes the, the follicles. It also makes the, um, the endometrial lining or the um, lining of the uterus regrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that part is um, generally speaking for most people, kind of a, a good part of the cycle after the bleeding has stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, you're pretty symptom free for most people. <laughs> <laughs> Great, yeah. Um, the, the breath yeah. of fresh air. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, uh, it tends to be a little bit um, nicer for like mood, for mm-hmm. sex drive, for kind of all of those aspects, the kind of more emotional. Uh, mood kind of aspects of the the cycle too. Um, So as that's kind of happening, um, you would first be the first however many days long is your period, you'd be bleeding. And then as that kind of concludes, then the the cervical mucus or discharge that you tend to have is usually a little bit um, kind of clear, slippery. I say like egg whites, although you could fill in whatever kind of analogy you guys want to use. But (laughs) Um, that tends to be one that is actually a little bit more receptive for if you were to have intercourse and get exposed to to semen and sperm, and um, that kind of is more hospitable to the sperm in terms of allowing it to go through the cervix and then up to ideally for for its sake, in its opinion, to fertilize an egg. Um, and so that's that kind of slippery, clear discharge. And that's usually like a few, that's like, cause isn't there like a window, like it's like two weeks after your period or something like that, or 10 days to yeah, mm-hmm. two weeks. It, exactly. This is the point in time you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. the, and so when I, when you hear that the, your period is like the, sh, it's the lining, it's shedding the lining of your uterus. Why? <laughs> like, cause so like, so the estrogen plumps up the uterus and then where I'm so sorry I thought it sounds so naive but like so then why isn't it just why is it bloody yeah so so that happens actually later in the cycle so it is because like you were talking about it is like a circular cycle so it's hard to talk about it in a linear because really the question you're asking is something that is triggered by the very last days of oh I'm sorry but you keep (laughs) going you know what you're I I got I just got confused for saying I thought it was the wrong yeah my timelines mixed up a little (laughs) okay all right so it's a good question but but because it's circular it does kind of feedback on itself yeah okay okay that question gotcha uh, end of the cycle so uh, (laughs) so as you're kind of going through the first couple weeks the estrogen that's building does regrow that lining Um, and then when you get to usually it's it's around two weeks in, although it's variable for people when exactly they ovulate, um, then then you would actually um, have a, a trigger from the hormones in our brain to actually release that egg that's been getting grown and nourished by the estrogen um, for ovulation. 
ovulation. And um, Rosie, just like you mentioned, um, there can be pain with ovulation. Not Mm. everyone feels it, but some people definitely do. And they can tell you, I know for sure this month I ovulated from my right side. Like I felt it right there. Yeah. And and people know that. It actually has a cool name um, called Middle Schmertz. That is middle schmertz. Schmertz. Mm-hmm. So and that's what's middle sh- is knowing is ovulation pain. Oh, oh, got it. Okay, okay, okay. So, middle schmertzen. It's yeah. like Thomas Middle Ditch and uh, Ben and Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's their it's their yeah. duo. They should change it's it. It's a fun improv yeah. show yeah. going on down uh, there. Great. Um, so okay. as that actually happens, that's actually a little rupture of a tiny little cyst in the, in the ovary. And that's why it can be painful for some people. Um, mm. So it's a, it's a little bit, potentially a little bit inflammatory. And um, not everybody really feels it every time, but you certainly can. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And so then the, that kind of starts the second phase of the, the menstrual cycle, which we call the luteal phase. Um, and that's basically the second half of the cycle. It tends to be a little bit more predictable. It's pretty reliably in the neighborhood of 14 days. It doesn't have quite as much variation in length um, as the first half does. Um, so for that part, actually, um, estrogen in the first half was the dominant hormone. And in the second half, um, estrogen kind of takes a backseat to the other main hormone that the ovaries produce, which is called progesterone. Oh, and I so get confused that, with those. Yeah, yeah. They they do very different things in, in our ovaries and in our bodies, and they have really different kind of body-wide side effects too. Um, progesterone tends to be um, a little bit less pleasant for people. It tends to have more um, kind of bloating, constipation. Yep. In, uh, water retention and actually has kind of a more bummer downer effect on moods too. Um, the whole exact mechanism that it kind of makes our moods lower and down um, is not fully, fully known, but they, they do, uh, most people do feel that change in their moods and libido and kind of all of that um, in the second half of the cycle. The progesterone, um, its job is to really work on the lining of the uterus and kind of organize it to receive an egg and implant a a fertilized egg if that happens. Um, So then if it doesn't happen, as there is no kind of cycle feedback from a fertilized egg that's implanting to the the ovaries, the brain, this whole kind of feedback loop, then um, the progesterone begins to fall and that actually triggers the bleeding episode that starts the next cycle. I just think it's cool that there is a part of our body that we just don't even know why it's happening. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's happening for reper- to reproduce. But like, why the sadness? <laughs> no, I know. Hormones are, are serious shit. Like, I, I never, I didn't understand that until I got older. Like, hormones are huge. Ugh. Well, our right. brain has a lot of receptors for estrogen and, and progesterone and I think for a long time, this is a whole other probably editorial political kind of comment, a long time um, that area of science was not really adequately funded. And so I think we probably will know more as more and more research is done. I think um, the newer thought is that progesterone seems to work on, through some mechanism, the amygdala, which is the part of our brain that is kind of prone to feeling anxiety and fear and things like that. And so although you may not feel like acutely fearful or acutely anxious, it is kind of your like 
alert and vigilant part of your brain. And, and so I think um, a lot of people, they do feel. Oh, yeah. Those. And is that the, where the PMS, is that where PMS comes from? Is, the, is really the progest, progesterone? progesterone part of this. Progesterone. That's the PMS. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I was listening and I'm still confused. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going yeah, to I mean, listen to this part over yeah, and over. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's fascinating though. Okay. So that makes sense. So then at the, so, so, the, so the progesterone, so then when it falls, it takes, it <laughs> yeah. scrapes and takes everything. No, it well, when it falls, it kind of sets off a cascade of other events that then allows the body to to shed the lining. Oh, gotcha. And that the the, the that comes from the the blood just comes from everything going on in the in the uterus, endometrial yeah. lining. Mhm. Endometrial lining. Interesting. So that tissue that's grown through the month um kind of comes out mostly as blood, sometimes a little bit of like more thick organized kind of tissue like Yeah, yeah. Okay, and it goes ovaries, fallopian <laughs> tubes. I know you guys yeah. can't see me. No, yeah, uterus. Then at the bottom of that cervix. Am I right? Yep. Yes. Nice. <laughs> and then well, penis. No, no. yeah. Then no, then like what it, was it? Is it just the vaginal cavity? The like where the penis goes? Yeah, I mean, we usually would say that the the vaginal canal. I canal. Canal. canal cavity. cavity. <laughs> I don't know. Like she has a sweet tooth. Right? You know what I'm saying? Hey, wow. Um. Yeah, okay. that's not too far off. Yeah, then the little I see the diagram and yeah, the yeah, ovaries okay. and then the and then and then don't you you alternate <laughs> you alternate ovulate you can um some oh people, yeah so it's acting like she knows <laughs> so some people just are righties and they just ejaculate their eggs <laughs> from the right or they have what am I trying to say <laughs> release release. The, I like the word ejaculate. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's I'm actually I mean, there's a YouTube video for everything, but there are YouTube videos um, where you can watch um, like people during laparoscopy for gynecologic laparoscopy surgery mm-hmm. have been able to watch an ovary ovulate and kind of release the lit. The Whoa. Lip. I'm down. Find that on Google. Or, or That's yeah, on fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, ejaculation, I'll be honest with you. So, like a little yeah. See? Oh, cool. We ejaculate too. Um, <laughs> should right. we get into, okay, I, maybe, let's see where we can go. Get, maybe we get into a cramps section? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we sort of talked about that. Well, yeah. I mean, just why does it hurt so bad? And I mean, this yeah. is sort of sensitive for Jackie because you have. Um, no, that's okay. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if, I have not been diagnosed with endometriosis. I have not been officially diagnosed, but I, I mean, it's, it's hard for any woman. It's right. like, you know, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I had, I've been having extremely painful periods. So I might need to get what you just said, the leparoscopy. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So I'll let you guys know if there's any cool footage from it. You guys <laughs> throw up on YouTube. Absolutely. Of any Obviously. eggs dropping or anything, but no, but you have, you said you have like hot lava, like it yes. just hurts. Yes. And like, and my poops are weird, but like all right now mm. I just feel so warm from like my very upper thighs to like right under my belly button. It's just warm. Mm-hmm. It just, and then I feel hot in my actual vagina, right? Like just feels like a hot, like if you were to put your hand. Yeah. Hot. And there's steam heat coming yes. down. From, and I, yeah. then like. I'm just like, is that okay? That I know, like heat always indicates like infection, but I'm and I have an IUD, so I always I'm always worried that I have like, I don't know, that's going wrong. 
but I have an appointment next week, but still I, like, is that normal hotness? You give me the perfect segue, which I would say, of course, absolutely. Like there's no replacement for visiting your, your healthcare provider, talking with them about your symptoms, getting a really careful exam and just like I have to get that out of the way and make sure to say that disclaimer. Right. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Anybody listening, please do not yeah. just <laughs> listen to Am I an Asshole podcast for all of your vaginal. Well, yeah, we have therapists on that we're like, do not. Oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, not yeah. therapy. Um, yeah. But, but that, that means yeah. that pain is such a really personal individual experience and discomfort in general. And then like everybody's own individual sensitivity to hormones and the various parts of the cycle is just so variable. But I, you know, I meet people who are like, eh, I bleed for a few days. I guess I take a Tylenol sometimes. I don't know. It doesn't really bother me. And then I meet people all the way on the other end of the spectrum um, who are laid up in bed, have terrible nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, um, feel like they have to take ibuprofen around the clock and they still can't get relief. And and, and ultimately make decisions to do kind of more treatments or surgeries, things like that. Um, and so it, it really is super individual. Um, mm-hmm. There's kind of a, a whole variety of reasons to have pelvic and lower abdominal pain. And some of them are gynecologic and some of them aren't. And mm. it can be a little bit confusing, especially for people who have chronic pelvic pain to really sort out exactly what is the, the main kind of issue. It's often Mm -hmm. multiple issues, to be honest. Um, It can be from just true, like the the word we use is dysmenorrhea or just painful periods. That's not any kind of pathologic disease. It's just really painful for people just getting their regular run-of-the-mill period. Um, People can have endometriosis and that Mm -hmm. can be quite painful. Um, You can have ovarian cysts, which can also cause pain. Um, you can have uterine fibroids, which are kind of benign muscle growths in the uterus. Um, they're just little balls of muscle, and those can cause different types of pain. Rosie, like you said, you can get infections. Um, uh, there can be like bowel pain, musculoskeletal pain, bladder pain. Like there's all kinds of reasons why people can have pain in this area of our body and our nerves actually in, in the pelvis. Um, they're a type of nerve called a visceral pain nerve. And so they are less good at saying my pain is happening at this exact location. And they're more saying something in here hurts and it kind of can fall over. Mm-hmm. So they just fire off almost like, (laughs) yeah, like warning signs. You just don't even know where it is. You're just like, I just don't feel good. What a tree. That's why, that's why this stuff is so hard to identify. Yes. Cause there's so much that's going on all at once. I, I, so I, you don't know those traces, but I, I do have, um, obsessive compulsive disorder. So like, I, I don't want to be too worried about like what's going on. Cause I don't want to be too much of like a hypochondriac about it. Like I don't want to go to the doctor all the time. There was a while where I was going like a list, like a little too much. Um, so I'm trying to only go so often, but then I'm afraid that I'm going to like miss out on a, um, on something that is like painful because also how do you know how much pain you I'm having compared to somebody else. It's impa- it's like impossible yeah. to know. Like yeah, to compare pain. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but I mean, I know that I'm gonna go. I'm like, if it doesn't smell super weird, it doesn't have like a really bad discharge. I think it's not like an emergency. Or if I'm not like doubled over. That's kind of how I was feeling, but I don't know if that's the right thing to say. Yeah, I think um for me, kind of warning signals, red flag symptoms are fever, chills. Um mm-hmm really foul smelling discharge. We use the word foul. So 
all discharge has an odor and most, you know, most people um, feel like their vaginal discharge smells a little bit unpleasant, but I think, you know, that's just part cultural influence of people telling us that we should use wipes here and we should smell, you know, have scented bath products and all these things. Even though that stuff infects you. Those scented tampons are the devil. Oh, oh. I got I got such a bad UTI yeast infection from that. Anyway, exactly. definitely I do not recommend any of those kind of scented products or the yeah. kind of washes, douches, wipes. Like those are actually not not helpful. Mm. Um, but if you feel like the discharge has a really really terrible odor that's sour or really kind of um, like I said, we just kind of use the word foul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If it's really a, a stanky, yeah. <laughs> it's a really big change, especially too. That could be another reason. Well, yeah, because one time I was like, "This isn't great. What is going on here?" And it was a weird color, and it was a weird smell. This is so gross for everyone. But I left a tampon in. Oh my god! I, I have such a fear a of that. I was like, "It's like a dead body in there." It's like, <laughs> oh my it's like, god! It was so gross. I was I so embarrassed. A fear of that. How did you find you? Did you it have to dig in? The, it was because of the gross discharge and the gross smell. No, but did oh. you? Did you? Yeah, I go. I was like, "Oh my god, no fucking way!" And then I just I fished. Oh, it, and I and I yanked god. it out, and I was I went immediately to the like <gasps> whatever the urgent care. Holy shit! I was horrified in myself. Well, see, you detected it though. I did. Yeah, yeah. My vagina said, hey, something's yeah, in something. here. <laughs> yeah. And you smelled it. You went, damn, girl. <laughs> not always roses, but that is not good. Yeah, no. It was a corpse. Okay. It was a rotting corpse. <laughs> rotting corpse inside of my vagina. Wow. Is okay. that toxic shock syndrome? Is that real? So, yeah. Fortunately, it sounds like you didn't get toxic shock no. syndrome, um, which is good. And I'm glad to hear that. Um, toxic shock syndrome you can get when you leave a tampon in for too long. Um it doesn't always happen though, but that's the big risk. And that's why we always tell people to um, use the kind of lowest absorbency tampon you need for the least amount of time. That's kind of a reasonable time frame to use it. Um, I'm not telling people that they have to change their tampon every hour, but mm-hmm. if you can use to, you know, if it's reasonable in your day to change it every four hours or so, that's great. I would not leave it in for more than eight hours because mm. of the risk of toxic shock syndrome. Um, and that's related to, it can kind of be um, a possible with the tampon in place and the like heat of our body basically to grow a bacteria that makes a toxin that can actually make you um, septic. So kind of body-wide have, have impacts mm. of the toxin. So that's, yeah. that's that risk, which fortunately is rare, but can definitely happen. Wow. So- I mean, I guess I'm just like, why do people get worse cramps? And why do people sometimes, I used to like dump blood. Like I would, oh, have to, yeah. I would have to, I wouldn't even be alert. Like I would have like the huge, huge tampons oh, and soak it. Yeah. Yeah. Tri- like triple supers. Yeah. <laughs> and be, yeah. I, I mean, every hour, every couple hours. Yeah. How, how yeah, so mean, much more? To, uh, mind you, my mom barely had any symptoms. Like she yeah. thought that other people were exaggerating because she was like, it's not even that bad. Yeah. What, I mean, is it, is it literally just the person just depends on. Well, there's a whole, there's kind of a whole list of things that contribute to having heavy bleeding. And some people have, you know, one or a couple of those things. Those can be like um, endocrine disorders. So actually having like a thyroid disease can make you have heavy bleeding um, or kind of other hormone dysregulation. So if you have kind of abnormal 
cycles, abnormal cycle length, you don't always ovulate, things like that can contribute. And then those other things that I mentioned, like fibroids can actually lead to heavier bleeding and um, uh, there can be other kind of endometrial growths um, that, that can happen too. And in really rare instances, there can be cancers, although that's usually seen in people with a certain kind of set of risk factors. I bet you and I both just said we have it. Oh God, I mean, it's terrifying. And our brains well, and that's it. part of why I make my little disclaimer and say, of course, no substitution for going to see a gynecologist because they, you know, we're trained to look for those risk factors and to make sure for people who have them that we appropriately investigate and make sure that it's not a cancer. But fortunately for young, healthy people like you guys, both of you, um, the risk of a, a cancer being why you have the heavy bleeding is really, really low. I also thought it was interesting that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, cysts like are pretty common and they, mm-hmm. and they, they f- uh, flush themselves out Yeah, so for the most part. Yeah. Think about when we were talking about that menstrual cycle and how you actually make an ovulation cyst every month that you're ovulating. So our ovaries in a way are designed to make a cyst every month. And sometimes that goes a little bit awry and you have a cyst that sticks around for longer or grows for longer, or you have a kind of cyst that might be more related to being um, someone with endometriosis an endometriosis cyst or there can be, you know, some variety of other reasons to have cysts, but it is actually quite common, just like you said, Jack. So why does it cause more pain? Yeah, if there's a, a growth on the ovary, it can kind of displace things and kind of push and shove on the structures that are near it, and that can be uncomfortable. Got it. Um, it can rupture open if it grows too big, and that can cause inflammation and irritation. And um, that's not usually, honestly, long-term harmful, but it can be quite painful when it happens. Um, and honestly, the the treatment for that is usually just time and anti-inflammatory medications. And um, when somebody has a cyst that ruptures, um, because it really does, heal, the ovary really does heal itself. Mm. Uh, the um, other kinds of cysts that can grow and grow and grow, um, if they get large enough, can actually put the ovary at risk for twisting on its blood supply on the blood vessels. And that can um, cause a lot of pain um, and also can kind of put the ovary at risk for getting damaged by not getting fresh blood and fresh oxygen. And so that's all kind of part of why if you have that really big acute change in your pain, that's really intense and you feel like you're going to throw up from pain being so severe or you feel like you might pass out, things like that. Those are, like I said, those kind of red flag symptoms that you really should be seen for. Yeah. That's why I went when I was having those. Like I, I mean, and any, I just, if, if anybody's happens to be listening and having that much pain, feel free to reach out to me because it's a, it's a, I, I mean, actually go to your doctor, but reach out in terms of like emotional, <laughs> please, but like emotional support, because it's such a hard thing to try mm. to explain to people when you're in that much pain. It's like, I, I was, i I mean, it's brought me to the ground several times. Oh, it makes me, I just have to curl up in a fetal position with a heating pad. And I, a lot of like lately it's gotten to the point where I can't walk and it's just, it's, it's really, really intense. And so, and, and, you know, that's why I'm, I will get checked out for endometriosis and stuff. But in the meantime, it, apparently it's very hard to diagnose. Mm-hmm. A lot of women don't understand or know what's going on. People will put you on like hormone or like, you know, like birth control, or they'll tell you to have a kid that that'll cure it. And, um, it's just, it's just really complicated. So when you're talking about 
the endometriosis, like, I mean, and obviously you know way more than I do, but it's a lot of it is the inflammation too that happens. And like, that's putting the inflammation that naturally happens with your period. And then it's putting pressure on all those, like if there's Mm. scar tissue or if there's anything, I mean, and that's in your bowels. I think that's, I might be wrong, but that's why your bowels and your poops get weird, right? Like the inflammation. Um, it depends. No. So, okay. You're like, okay, well don't go too far. You don't quite know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, there's like just kind of, um, in even kind of normal cycles without endometriosis, um, your body can make this, uh, chemical called prostaglandin as part of the, the menstrual cycle. And that is actually a pro inflammation chemical. Oh, um, and that um, can cause your intestines to get upset. So mm. people um, who tend to be sensitive to it can have a lot of nausea or vomiting or diarrhea even during their periods. Um, one really nice thing is that uh, medications like Aleve and ibuprofen actually block prostaglandins. So mm. sometimes if people can kind of catch their cycle before it even starts, by yes, ibuprofen before you even get the first day of bleeding, that can help with some of that. Thank you for saying that because someone only told me that like two years ago and it has made a huge difference. I mean, I have to take a little stronger pain meds now, but with ibuprofen, if you take it, if you start taking it like a couple days before your period, if you get a period tracker and can track it or, you know, your spire symptoms, it it significantly reduces your your pain when you're actually on your period. It's so insane to me how small that that area is and how much pain it can cause. Yeah. that's just so nuts. Yeah. And and then d- just a quick question. You were talking about hormone um, hormone issues like thyroid. And is that like, were you also talking about PCOS? Is that where that... That can be one of the... That can be one of them. And if, if, they, if somebody were to try to check on their, their hormones, who do they go to for that? Yeah. So um, great question. The most OBGYNs... Um, we we don't routinely check hormones because to be quite honest, a lot of your symptoms and your body tells us about your hormones already. Um, so I kind of know when people's hormones are dysregulated because they mm. can tell me about how their cycles are. And I, I'm like, yeah, I think things are out of whack. Your symptoms are telling me they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't, um, necessarily make treatment decisions based on like a test of your estrogen or a test of your progesterone um, depending on what you're seeing us for. But, um, you know, if you're seeing us for menopause, different issue. If you're seeing us for infertility, different issue. But for kind of cycles, irregular cycles, heavy cycles, um, pain with your cycles, those kind of things in general, we often don't feel strongly about checking hormone tests. Um, there are some tests that can help us diagnose PCOS, but it is um, in a lot of ways a, a diagnosis that is made on kind of symptoms and clinical exam and potentially ultrasound. Um, oh, interesting. It's not like a blood test? We don't, many of us don't routinely check hormones um, in that setting. If you wanted to get yours checked, could you ask for it? You could. I usually have a talk with people about why they're interested in that because mm-hmm. like I mentioned, I don't make most treatment decisions based on it. And so um, kind of a more thoughtful approach to why we're ordering a test is is valuable for a lot of us who practice medicine because we want to be not adding extra expense for you and not kind of um, ordering unnecessary tests that won't actually impact your care. 
Um, and so I think it's a discussion that I would have with patients about kind of what their their thoughts were about why they wanted that tested, um, what their maybe concerns or fears were about it, and and from my perspective, what it may or may not contribute to the picture and the treatment plan. I, I kind of want to, to sort of veer away from periods for a second, talk about orgasms if we can. Does that sound sure. like an okay little tangent? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Specifically, yeah. What, what, what can- well, I just think that, okay, so sex is, I, I always feel like it's such an, so lately, oh boy, <laughs> it's just a couple of times in, in my past sex life, um, my current, I don't know, some point, um, during different positions, I get like punched in the cervix and boy, is that not pleasant for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. yeah. But like, I don't understand how some women can get orgasm from um, sex, like air insertion. Right. Cause like yeah. I, I only really have an orgasm with clitoral stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you would be in the majority of people, I would say. Oh. Um, so, um, sex and, and orgasm and desire and arousal is all a really super complicated topic that I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, um, some, some OBGYNs maybe feel more comfortable talking about it with people than others. I'm lucky in my training that I had um, on my path to becoming an OBGYN. I felt like I had a lot of mentorship surrounding that. And I feel really strongly about, um, like I said, at the top of the show, beginning to kind of discuss with people and helping them advocate for having pleasurable experiences um, and not full sex and things like that. So um, I I think it's important to address that when people are having pain with sex um, or having difficulties with achieving orgasm. So I think kind of two two questions there. Um, there's a kind of variety of, of ways that people can experience pain during sex. The pain with actual kind of bumping of the cervix that you're describing is pretty common and nearly everyone could experience that kind of pain depending on like the position and the partner's size or toy size, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, the uterus and the cervix, we talk about them like they're separate, but they're all one kind of that flow into another one structure. Um, and so it has attachments that, that kind of support the, the organs in the pelvis and if those get jostled um, too much or kind of have too much force um, that impact them, then as you could probably imagine, that's not comfortable for a lot of people. So I think um, kind of acknowledging for some people that certain positions are less comfortable than others is really important. And I really advocate for people to tell their partners that um, if they find a way that they can easily work that in. And if not, then sometimes I'll help them think about ways to talk about it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Some some people that can actually be a sign of endometriosis too. Mm -hmm. So kind of things to think about for, for some people. I was was Googling it and well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, just that there, because I was like, what positions don't punch your cervix? Yeah. Um, Cowgirl. Because you have control of how deep uh-huh. it goes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. honestly, regular old missionary. Yeah, regular old missionary is yeah. always good. But when you try to do the thing where they put your legs over. Oh, that, that, yeah, no, that can hurt sometimes. It hurts a lot. I was just wondering like how, how much it hurts. 
It's like stop. You have to stop. Like it's like wow. Yeah, because yeah. Because yeah. at first it's, it's more a little discomfort. Well, mine is like you have to stop. And for a while, I was like, maybe this is what sex is. Oh my god, yeah. no! <laughs> and then I realized I was like, no, this is not what this is. I don't have to do that position. And if that's a bummer for you, because also um, doggy style doesn't doesn't feel yeah, good to me. That's another one that is painful for a number of people. Interesting. That I mean, I know because if if that if a guy wants, sorry, it's not going to be fun for me. No, you can figure or it out it, or maybe more gently. Yeah, you know, because sometimes so when people so, slam it, that <laughs> just you're like, whoa! It's just yeah, it's like yeah, it's not like because it's a dull pain because it's like a punt. It's not like a like slice, you know, right? Obviously, you know, but it doesn't but, feel good, oh, and if it doesn't bad. feel good, do not do it. <laughs> well, and then sometimes the sharp, I, the sharp pain of your cervix. Also, I just want to interject would be yes, please. Important to tell your gynecologist about too because that can be an infection. So, oh, dull pain would be more just like the structural bumping that we were talking about. Oh, wait, so dull pain is normal, sharp pain is something, yeah, might not be. Well, yeah, especially if it was kind of repetitively happening or brand new for you. Okay, reasonable mm-hmm. to check in. Mine is the like, it's really interesting. Like, some positions, um it'll just might hurt a little bit, but that what's, what's interesting for me and I'm not bragging, but (laughs) I, I, I do. I like that of it. I like it from behind. You like the pain or no, I'm not in pain, pain. but I would say I'm, I'm sensitive in general down there, but like a position, I'm just saying a position that you might not think would, would kind of hurt might hurt me more than the one that you would think would. So I just, I'm just saying, I think like, you know, yeah, yeah. Everybody's, you know, everybody's, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, and then I know like there was a Teresa, there was a time where I was a bit promiscuous and um, a lot of it would be like after drinking. And so I, I remember talking to my gynecologist and I was like, I, I'm just like, it hurts sometimes like the next day, like kind of a lot. And she was like, well, are you lubing up? Like, especially if you're drinking, you know, like, yeah, So I think it just wasn't getting good enough foreplay. I love lube. I'm a big advocate. I'm a big Are advocate you? for lube. I am a huge advocate for lube too. I love oh, it. Oh, yes, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think a couple of things are important. Um, Jackie, like you said, I love lube too. I recommend it for nearly everybody. I mean, kudos to the people who don't need it, but almost everybody can benefit from, from, from lubricant. Um, and then the other thing that's really important, Rosie, you mentioned is um, having adequate foreplay. So there's you know, kind of two times when I think we get into trouble with foreplay and not having enough. One would be like a brand new partner who it's hard to kind of share those desires or interests or like tell them I need more of this before mm. we move on. Um, and then also conversely on the flip side, people that you've been with for a long time because you kind of know each other, you know what you like, you're probably, you know, trying to fit sex in in the middle of a busy week or who know, you know, mm-hmm. you not have as much time, quote unquote, as you used to for it. And so, um, those people tend to kind of get into patterns where you skip over some of the, the lead in and go straight to the like good stuff and, right. and yourself enough time to have the, the steps of foreplay, which are really important for stimulating your own body's lubrication. But also actually there are some other physical changes that happen. Um, not just in the vagina, but also like our nipples. Yeah all kinds of things that happen with, with desire and arousal. Um, the vagina itself actually kind of, um, gets a a little bit, um, swollen and kind of widens a little bit, not a lot, but, um, it can make the vagina a little bit more ready for penetration. And so I think that's an important 
thing to happen for people who have penetrative sex. Um, the lubricant issue, you know, there's a, a whole variety of options for lubricant. And I feel like I have this talk with nearly every person that I talk about who has any pain with sex. I think it's so important to add lubricant to your routine. Um, the kind of lubricant that you choose depends a little bit on if you need to or want to use condoms or not. Um, obviously, I recommend condoms for everybody who thinks they might be at risk for exposure to a, an infection, but um, for people who are using condoms, um, the, the best lubricants are either water-based or silicone-based lubricants. And I have a teeny tiny preference for silicone-based because they tend to stick around longer during sex, so they don't kind of fade away as you're having sex um, quite as soon. Um, but water-based can be fine, especially if you're someone who just needs a little help with the lubrication. Um, the important things to know about those lubricants are I would get really, really plain with it, honestly, like no flavors, no fragrances, oh, no like warming and cooling sensations, just right. like plain slippery stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, that's actually the name of one lubricant that I recommend, which is slippery stuff. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's a really important piece of the the picture for people who don't use condoms either they're with some partner that they've been with for a long time you've been tested you feel comfortable with it you don't need it for contraception or for people who are um, in a long-term relationship and after menopause for example actually oil can be a really great option oil-based lubricants and um, but that's not compatible with condoms so that's why i give that little disclaimer um my favorite oil to recommend, believe it or not, would be coconut oil, just regular coconut oil. I right. know um, some people that use coconut oil. That's right. That's um, and then, oh, can I just say one yes, more? Yes, please, please, please. Um, if anybody's using KY jelly, I tell them to throw it away. Do not oh. use jelly. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. The jelly part is the part that you want to stay away from. It, um, it's not slippery enough. It's slippery right at first, but then it can get a little bit like tacky, sticky. Oh. And so then that's actually not what you want. You want something that is smooth and slippery. You don't want any extra friction. So I tell people to oh. get rid of it or use it for something else, but not for sex. Oh, interesting. I'm going to check what, what kind you're using. Have. Yeah. <laughs> um. Some that aren't their KY jelly, so the brand oh, KY. Oh, right. But okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. That I don't recommend. Yeah, and I mean, I because I was like, I was thinking too about about being you know being in a relationship and stuff, and well, because lube, it's it's kind of like sometimes it, it's fine, it's like because to need it almost makes it I feel like it might you know almost discourage women to use it because it's like, well, I don't need it, I'm perfectly wet, you right, know, right? But but it's like. It just I don't know it just helps everything it's like smooth and it just helps everything like get going yeah and but on the flip side of that like with with partners I've found that like because like my husband and I honestly like sometimes like I think he maybe like before we got really close he was kind of used to doing it when he wanted to do it not in like a rude selfish way but like just like he was and I things had to shift because I'm like I I have like my body is going through a lot yeah. more every month and there are times where I'm so not in the mood and then there are times where I'm really in the mood and I'm not saying it has to be all on my terms but like we yeah. need to find a common ground because your body will just naturally be <laughs> lubed up and ready to go you know and so I just anyway I just I don't know why I just find it important to say like advocate for your 
for your sexual wow. well-being. Absolutely. I think that just people just don't know. I mean, when I feel like when I first start, started having sex, I like didn't even know. And I own my vagina, which is why this is like the topic I wanted to talk about because I was like, like, I don't even know that because I want to blame and be like, you know what, guys, I need to get, um, you know, like you need to not rush the, that part because you don't, yeah. you know, but I think like, I didn't even know. I didn't even totally. know why you needed to get like, why it got wet, you know, why you got like whatever lubricated, like naturally is mm-hmm. because someone can slide it right in. Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. That, I mean, I, all that stuff where I'm just like, what a doofus, but we didn't get educated, but it's weird that we have it and we don't understand it. Just like our brains. Like we have it. We don't know, know how to use it. <laughs> I know. I um, totally agree. And I actually, um, I really, think it's important when people feel like there is a struggle with their partner and how to talk around it. I do try and help them think through like ways that we can have that conversation with our partners. Um, and I, I try and help them kind of troubleshoot it as much as I can. Sometimes I've met their partners and that can be helpful. And sometimes their partners are with them for parts of the appointments or sometimes they want them there for all of the appointment. You know, I defer to the patient what, what she wants, but um, I think it can be helpful sometimes for them to hear it from me. And so I will say, you know, do you want to come back and bring your partner and we can talk about this? Or do you want me to write it in our, our um, kind of patient instructions that we give at the end of the visit? So you guys can look at it and think about it and talk it over. And people have kind of a different approach. It, it's really personal, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Want one or the other. And some people are like, no, actually, you know, I got it as as long as I kind of know this and I know that this is what I need, I can, I can have that conversation. I like that you are like so connected to your patients. I mean, I love that my gynecologist is like real fast, but also like, I don't ever feel like I have to be like, wait, 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 wait. I have like 10 questions I need to ask you, you know, because yeah. she kind of runs out, but like, you know, <laughs> no, and I think that's a good, that's a good thing. A, a good point to make. I tend to be someone who runs a little bit later for visits right. and my patients who know me and love me, they, they know that it's because I'll spend the same amount of time with them that I spent with somebody else, but it can be annoying. And that's why, like I said at the beginning, I think one person's good doctor is not everybody's good doctor. And totally. So right. Right. If you just want to running late and they want the person who just comes in, does the, does the exam, does, runs the tests, moves on. And that's great. That's going to be probably a different provider than me though. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could talk about this all day, but uh, is there anything else that we have, Jackie, that we want to talk about? I mean, yeah, we definitely could talk. I mean, I guess just um, quickly, I realized that after I changed some of my diet, a lot of my, um, some of my symptoms around my period got better. So that's just oh. worth worth saying of like, I've, I've cut certain things out and it, I still am in pain, but anyway, just just yeah. stressing like what you eat. digestion digestion and, yeah, yeah it, it it seems to parallel or coincide with one another so i don't know cuz sometimes i feel like you get a little shade especially in la everyone's like gluten free and vegan and everything and but it's like you know and and it's oftentimes women but you know it's the more i'm learning i'm like well obviously as long as you're not underweight and unhealthy you know about it it makes sense. Yeah, We're more things- complicated creatures and these things do affect us a lot. So we do kind of have to watch what we eat a little bit more. Yeah. Um, There's pretty good evidence for, for supporting obviously a healthy diet for so many reasons, but mm-hmm. for painful periods and PMS, um, the American College of OBGYNs, um, they have some good information sheets that you can usually find online and one of them about PMS specifically talks about kind of approaches for getting, um, a, you know, 
ideally 30 minutes of exercise a day, mm -hmm. eating a diet that's, that's healthy and balanced, but specifically trying to keep kind of a more steady um, sugar level throughout the day. And so they actually recommend mm -hmm. for, for people who want to try this six smaller meals um, with complex carbs, trying to avoid really simple carbs. So the complex carbs take longer to break down and they lead to kind of a steadier blood sugar level throughout the day. Um, and then there's also some, some support out there in, in research for adding magnesium supplements um, and calcium supplements. So you can find all of this when you Google. Okay. The My mom was talking about that. And I just keep not doing it, but like it's... Yeah. And I mean, we didn't even get, get into, you know, just the, the pro-choice and, and, and stuff going on, you know, right now, but I, that could be its own, its own episode if it wanted to be, but, um, yeah. uh, I think, well, okay. So wait, the final thing I want to say is, so just to end it on a high note about women, female orgasms. So because oh. we, because we, it's connected to our brain more than it is to men, right? Uh, in general, I think that's probably true. Although I do think we probably oversimplify sex for, for guys. I think that's not quite yeah. <laughs> as straightforward as we would, pop culture would have us believe. But I think, sure. yes, it is slightly more involved and in, in kind of a, a more complicated pathway for for women. Yeah. Well, cause, because it like affects your whole body. I mean, like their orgasm just comes out in like a, and then ours yeah. is like, <laughs> ours so is like a, like a euphoric experience. Oh yeah. Aren't ours entire... supposed to be more intense? I don't know that there's a true way to really measure that. I'm That's true. Yeah. Not the expert on that, but yeah. Right. yeah. Um, okay. I think, yeah. Um, are you an asshole <laughs> for not understanding your vagina? You gotta, I mean, I, I just feel like that um, our education system is the asshole. The fact that we didn't get to learn about it at all. Yeah. But I mean, I think you're an asshole if you don't take the time to learn about women's reproductive health because it affects yes. everybody, not just women, you know? Oh. It's like how we, yeah. how life is created. How do we get created? Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean, just learning, I mean, both male and female, but definitely I think female, especially if you're having some opinions on some things <laughs> right. going on socially, you might want to know uh, more about what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I think some scary decisions are being made with ignorant people. A lot um, of people don't understand all, in of power. The, all of the details of kind of a variety of aspects of the reproductive health. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because we didn't even get into pregnancy at all. So we didn't even get into pregnancy. No. We didn't get into poverty and health and how people can't afford health care right. and all that kind of stuff. It's so birth control, which is one of my favorite topics too. Oh, damn it. Oh, man. Well, well, we'll just have to have you back on. Yeah. If you'll, if you'll come back on, we'd love to have you back on because um, it's just proof that uh, shit's complicated. Thank you for listening to Am I an Asshole? Cooter. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for listening to Am I an Asshole? Please just keep Pink. rating, subscribing. Oh, taco. 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 Salad? Toss the oh, salad. I don't think that's I think that's your butthole. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. Keep subscribing. Um, please listen up to the next episode where we get into pregnancy. Birth control. Birth control. Aborting, possibly. Abortion. The healthcare, healthcare situation. Um, hot button. Uh, yeah. 
hot button item another one for your hot, hot button. Um, there's got to be. I bet you there's one there's snatch. One. No, you already did that one. There's like one main one we probably are forgetting. forgetting but sure. if you oh, if you think of one, yeah, write to us. Yeah, write to us at am I an a hole podcast at gmail or DM us on, on Instagram. Instagram. All right, love you guys. Thanks. Bye.